This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, Father, we come before you this morning in the wonderful name of Jesus. We want to thank you for being so generous to us in giving us your all. As we celebrate Christmas together as a family, I pray that you would use this word in season to bring a healing to many hearts, hope to the hopeless, and joy to those who have none. In Jesus' name, we commit this word to you, and everybody that agreed said, amen. By Christmas Eve of 1914, the First World War had raged across Europe's across Europe for nearly five months. The grim reality of a hard war began to set in. Both sides began carving out trenches across the eastern and western fronts. They prepared for a war that had no end in sight. The western front extended for hundreds of miles through France and Belgium, protecting the heart of France from an invading German army. Life in the trenches was bleak. Soldiers at both sides were at the mercy of a bitterly cold European winter. Supplies and morale were dwindling. There was insufficient medical care, and the enemy trenches were often only 100 feet from their own fortified positions. The distance between these trenches was referred to as no man's land which was littered with the bodies of the deceased from both sides. To step into the space was to step into certain death. It was against this backdrop that on a moonlit night, with frost-covered ground, that something remarkable and unexpected happened that defied the cold realities of war and would have a lasting impact not only on those involved, but everyone beyond. I don't consider myself to be a history buff, but some weeks ago, I was watching a clip where something so wonderful took place on Christmas Eve in World War I in the year 1914 that resonated so strongly with my heart that I thought this will preach. So bear with me if I tackle Christmas message from a different angle today, but I believe it's going to bless you. Just over 100 years ago, in the summer of 1914, an Austrian archduke by the name of Franz Ferdinand was assassinated. And it was his assassination that resulted and sparked a global conflict that we know as World War I. As a result of this assassination, Austria declared war on Serbia, who they thought was responsible. Russia steps in to help Serbia and declares war on Austria. Germany joins the fray and declares war on Russia. France then declares war on Germany, and then Germany declares war on Belgium. Finally, the Pommies get involved and declare war on Germany and voila, you have the making of a world war. All this takes place in a matter of just a few days, all because one man was assassinated. 
It should never have escalated to what we know now as World War I that cost the lives of more than 20 million people and lasted for four years. The reason it lasted so long and there were so many casualties was mainly because the war of a war tactic that was being used called trench warfare. Now, I went into the army and I was trained in trench warfare, so I know exactly what is being referred to over here as to why so many casualties are borne by both sides in this kind of conflict. Now I wonder if you can perhaps, along with me, draw some modern parallels for yourself between the type of warfare that I'm talking about, trench warfare. You see, trench warfare really is where battle lines are drawn. Trenches are dug and you literally set yourself in and just simply hurl explosives at one another. This was the kind of warfare that was adopted in World War I. You're fighting an enemy you can't see, someone with whom you'll never perhaps make eye contact or even see eye to eye. Remember, we're drawing some parallels, yeah? What's even more interesting about this type of warfare is that, and it is recorded in history, that in the four years that they were involved with this trench warfare, that neither side gained any ground. Let me put it this way. Absolutely nothing was accomplished in four years at the cost of 20 million lives. No progress was made. Nothing changed because of this type of conflict. The geography didn't change one bit except for the millions of dead soldiers whose lives were snuffed out. Why? Because of trench warfare. Well, six months into World War I, on Christmas Eve, something almost unbelievable happened. Amidst all the death, anger, hatred, hunger, and cold, someone, can everyone say someone? Let's try it again. Someone. Someone, no one knows who. Whether it was a Frenchman or a German or an English, no one knows who it was, stepped into no man's land without a weapon. He stepped into no man's land without a weapon and he declared a ceasefire because it was Christmas Eve. Even though there was so much that they disagreed about and fought to the death over, so much anger and hatred, someone, can someone say, someone. Someone found the courage to put their weapon down by focusing on the one thing that they all had in common, even though they were arch enemies, on that specific day, one thing, and that was that they were all Christians. And that it was Christmas. And as such, there was a cause to celebrate. Together that they could celebrate the birth of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And it was this commonality, listen to this, that got every soldier crawling out of their trenches to look at one another in the eye for the very first time, to talk to one another, and for a moment, forget the conflict. They ended up eating food together, telling stories and even playing games on the very same piece of land where millions had died just weeks before, simply enjoying each other's company. 
that night, history records that they were changed men. So much so that when the fighting was resumed, no one could pull the trigger anymore. Believe it. Because no one was prepared to shoot the person that they spent the previous night before getting to know and eating a meal with. Can you see why this thing will preach? <laughs> Simply because they took the time and made the sacrifice to gather around perhaps the only thing that they agreed on. Murderers became men. Enemies, friends, and strangers, teammates. History records that many had to be reassigned to different fronts just to be able to get them to pull the trigger and start fighting again. In the years to come, in actual fact, a rule was imposed in war, and it was titled, No Fraternization with the Enemy. As a result of this night, <laughs> no fraternization with the enemy, which simply, puts, which simply put means this, you're not allowed to get to know the people you're supposed to hate. Because if you will, you'll more likely end up not killing them, loving them, because you know them. Trench warfare. It was labeled the Christmas truce of 1914. I believe here in South Africa and around the world, we live in similar times. Differing political opinions, doctrinal viewpoints, racial tension and religious intolerance has infected practically every tribe, every nation, and every person. Not only are wars raging in the physical, but even more importantly and more dangerously so, wars are raging in people's hearts. People are, people are enemies with one another that ought never to be enemies. Family feuds, friendships dissolving over trivial matters, people at war within their own hearts. Many folks have dug their trenches and taken up their positions and said, I'm not moving from here, but you can expect to get a few grenades. How many of you know what I'm talking about? So they've dug their trenches, they've taken up their positions, not willing to move one iota or risk anything because everyone out there who's not like me is my enemy. There's more ammo being hurled at everyone we don't see eye to eye with, with on issues than any attempt to stick our neck out for risk of having it blown off. I was just recently this week speaking to someone who's at odds with a family member, and they said, I've done everything I can do. I'm not doing anything more. Besides, this was all their fault. I had nothing to do with it. My message today, family, is about just that. Just like the soldier who monopolized on the birth of Christ and Christmas to bring enemies together, let us also take this Christmas today, right now, to come out of our trenches, to make peace, to be reconciled with those that we've been hurling grenades at or even perhaps have chosen to cast aside. To those ones we've said game is over, 
Dear God, if this soldier who didn't even know his enemy could put his life at stake and for one moment put his weapon down and risk everything he was to stand in no man's land a dead zone and cry out truce, can the church of Jesus, can those who belong to the kingdom not do exactly the same thing? This is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about family. Christmas is about peace. Christmas is about a time of truce. And in a world where nobody wants it, the church should crave it. You see, the difficulty with this is that in order to find common ground, we first have to get out of our trench. To look at each other eyeball to eyeball and actually have a conversation. People don't want to converse anymore. They just want to shout and disagree. disagree. Social media has become a hot pot. So much anger and grenade slinging. One has to wonder if it's even worth subscribing to. Just don't disagree with anybody's opinion. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Facebook. So social media and family feuds have become this modern-day trench warfare, in my opinion. No one is prepared to put down their weapon. Can someone say it's time to put down our weapon? And step into no man's land and scream truce. This is my Christmas message to every Christian present today. Let's choose to put down our weapons this Christmas Eve and this Christmas day. Put the pin back in the grenade. Cook some good food. Unless you stay in Edenvale, the power's out. Buy some good food. <laughs> they stole a cable on Christmas Eve. Can you believe it? Edenville's down. We're all my Edenville compatriots. We're in a trench. Can someone say amen? Cook some good food. Unbox the Christmas fruitcake. Perhaps give a gift or two. And take time to remember that just as that soldier who put his differences aside, we too can bring peace to those at war within themselves because the Prince of Peace, listen to me, the Prince of Peace lives on the inside of us. It's only those who are not at peace with him that cannot bring peace into conflict. But the moment the Prince of Peace is in us, we can bring peace to any and all conflict. Give God a great hand of praise. So this message today is called Christmas Truce of 2019. <laughs> That's the title of this message. Christmas Truce of 2019. Why? Well, because the incident I've been preaching about up until now became known as the Christmas Truce of 1914. I figured I'd rephrase it to the Christmas Truce of 2019. We really, we really, really need healing in our nation. We need healing in our homes and in our families. A healing between husbands and wives, siblings, and friends. Let's let this Christmas, like it was for that soldier, be the catalyst for hearing and the occasion on which we declare it is a time for truce. So what is a truce? A truce is simply a suspension in the fight. I'm really mad at you, but I'm going to ensure this blessed time of the year, this special occasion, is going to be the catalyst where I lay down the ammunition that I've been stocking up against you in order to destroy you. And I'm saying 
it's time to suspend the fight. I'm putting down my gun. How many of you are prepared to just put down your gun? Can I see your hands? How is this possible? Well, the same way it was made possible over 100 years ago. Someone just had to take the first step. And guess what? As a Christian, God expects it to be you. You say, but the person I've got a problem with is also a Christian. Well, then God expects the maturer of the two. You get to decide who's maturer. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. By volunteering and saying, pick me, pick me. I'll be the peacemaker. Someone just has to take the first step into no man's land. Someone has to lay aside their pride and quit fighting to be right or be the victor and rather just fight to be unified. Let's invest the same energy into unification. The sad thing, however, is that everyone's always waiting for the other person to do it because after all, I'm not wrong. I'm not the guilty one. This is not my fault. But today, I'm calling on you as the church of the living God to say, you know what? It doesn't matter whose fault it is. And if it does matter, it's mine. If it really does matter, it's mine. I will take the blame. That's what Jesus did. They don't deserve death on the cross. I will take the blame. Even though I don't deserve it, I will hang there. And I will declare a truce permanently between mankind and myself. This is the message of Christmas. This is the message of our Savior. Are we the ones that are going to step up and declare it's time for the fighting to stop? There are two ways that this can be accomplished. You can either do it the world's way or you can do it God's way. You see, the world does it through resolution. Resolution means to talk about and debate. The problem with resolution is this, that it still took four years and cost 20 million lives. That's how World War I was resolved. God speaks about reconciliation. There's a difference between resolution and reconciliation. You see, reconciliation is where all is forgiven. It's been reconciled. You see, Christ doesn't seek resolution. Christ seeks reconciliation. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. And forgive me if I took so long to get to Scripture. This is not what I normally do. But after all is said and done, I want you to take the message that I've preached up until now and look at it in light of the Scripture. Look at what it says. It says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united two opposing forces, two people with differing views, Two people who both thought they were right. Two people who both thought that they were important. Two groups of people that thought everything was theirs. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility. God, Jesus, through Jesus, broke down a wall of hostility that separated us. And he did this by ending the system of law and its commandments and regulations. Look at this. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, can everybody say one body? Together as one body, Christ, look at this, reconciled. He didn't create a resolution. He reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. Jesus, it cost 
Jesus to bring reconciliation. And let me say to you as a Christian today, it's going to cost you to bring reconciliation in your failing relationships. What is the cost going to be, Pastor Andre? The cost is going to be your pride. Will you lay it down? Will you lay it down? Will you lay it down? It says, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards one another was put to death. Jesus has bought it already. You have the capacity to unconditionally forgive, to bring unconditional peace and reconciliation. And let me tell you, if you will take the step, God will work in the hearts of your enemy and bring them back to you because he is a God of reconciliation and he's already paid for it on the cross. You see, the scripture tells us that through Jesus, God brought our balance to zero. That's what reconciliation is. And now, and now, he calls on us to do exactly the same, to end the war. By forgiving debt. And there is no better time in the years we celebrate God giving His only Son to us to do it in right now. My closing scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Listen to this to confirm this message. And all of this is a gift from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And God gave us this task of reconciling people for him. That's the task the Lord has given us. For God was in Christ, look at this, reconciling the world to himself. God didn't wait for us to repent before he forgave us. The Bible says in Titus that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you're waiting for them to say sorry before you make a move, you might be dead. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. When are we going to stop counting people's mistakes or hurts that they've put on us? When are we going to stop counting it against them and storing it like ammunition? And then he says this, and he gave us this wonderful ministry of reconciliation. How are you doing in the ministry that God has given you of reconciliation? And here is my concluding truth. While every head is bowed, and every eye is closed. Once we've been reconciled to God, He gives us the power to reconcile with others. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.